listening to Faith with Friends Podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, and spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle in the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Hey friends, welcome back to Therapy Thursday, where I am joined every week with Dr. Lydia Martinez, my friend, a Christian therapist and mental health counselor. Welcome, Dr. Lydia. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm always so excited about our talks and I I can't wait to hear all about the next one, right? Yes. Unintended. Yes. Today we're discussing 10 skills that we all need in order to develop healthy and deeper relationships and can I say which among us do not want more connection and a deeper, healthier relationships? Oh, absolutely. I think you're right on to something. I think this is going to be a part one, part two, because I don't think we're going to get through all 10 of them. Absolutely. In, we're going to have a, one session. a mini series, part one and part two. So mm-hmm. Dr. Lydia, I think that meaningful relationships are so hard to find these days. And often we want to look to other people and blame them. But this is an opportunity. Look yourself in the mirror and how can you develop these skills? How can you grow? How can you be the friend to others that you wish you had yourself? Oh, that's a great one. When we talk like this, it makes me think of that analogy of a flashlight. And if I were to shine that flashlight on someone else, like if I shine that flashlight in your eyes, <laughs> you would not be happy with me that's at right. all. Yeah, I can only imagine the kind of reaction you would have to me, not a nice one. But if I shine the flashlight on me and we're talking, it's going to make you curious. Like, what are you doing? Okay. That is what we're going to talk about first is active listening. I think good communication is really about listening better. Active listening is very different than just hearing someone and moving on. And in this day and age with all of the high techie smartphones and tablets and laptops and the internet. Oh man, I don't know a restaurant that doesn't have a TV in it. Well, I do know a couple, but man, they're far and few between now, right? You go to a restaurant, there's tech everywhere. There's something and that dopamine rush is just so powerful. Absolutely. It's really really important that when we connect with our friends or potential friends that we are good listeners i think that that is a really good sign of a good of a good friend yeah listening i always like to think of it as this listen to understand do not listen to respond or react and there's a big difference between listening to your words so i can think of what i'm going to say back or really trying to spend time understanding what you're coming from what you're trying to help me to understand What are you expressing? What are the things in the background playing in your head? And as you listen to somebody actively, you get to hear that little recording in the back of their head if you listen properly and you can better understand them, connect with them and maybe even know how to pray for them better, know how to be a better friend to them. What what does that person need out of my time and attention today? Yes, I completely agree. And I also think of listening Like we can either play tennis or we can play racquetball up against the wall. And when you're doing good, effective listening, it is more like racquetball up against the wall. And why do I say that? Because social listening, social communication sometimes is like, like tennis. And it's like a, like a tit for tat and say, hi, um, how was your day? Good. How was your day? You know, it's, 
it's more of a like not a competition, but a um, you try to relate to others when you're talking. That's more like tennis. Hi, I went. Uh, what did you do today? And the person will answer what they did, and so then backwards, right? How what did you do? So they answer each other, right? Racquetball is really more about active listening. You want to be that wall to absorb and you give back what is going on. So it's really more like saying, what did you do today? And not answering, hey, oh, me too. I did the same thing. You know, it's really more about like asking deeper questions, open-ended questions. How was that for you? Where did you go? Did you like it? Well, did you like it is really more of a yes or no question. And you really want to steer away from those kind of questions. Open-ended questions are more like how, when, where, and that shows interest. That shows you're really listening. If you're asking those questions, that means that you are, you're into the story too. You're, you're listening to what's going on. I hear you saying that active listening, your response is more questions than answers. Yes. Rather than questioning to inquire more, to learn more rather than to respond or give the answer to whatever, you know, and a lot of times, you know, that us women, I do love good godly advice, but man, do I want to be heard? Yeah. And understood. Yeah. And so, and that really, I think happens when you let the person sort of talk and, and walk the walk with them, listen to their journey without saying, Oh, did you think about doing this instead? Or another time in my life, I did this and this is what happened. And they're thinking, oh, I just want to get my story out. I just need to connect with someone this way. You know, it reminds me of James 1, 9, where Jesus says, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to become angry because Jesus actively listened to people, even those people who were marginalized, outcast, people who you would not expect him to be, quote unquote, ministering to. He showed compassion and empathy. And um, it reminds me of John four, where he met the woman at the well and he asked her questions that he already knew the answers to, but he wanted her to hear herself speak. So I think after, and I, I understand why active listening is at the top of your list. Oh, I think it's amazing. It's a great example, Lisa, when you ask questions and you make the other person think and sort of connect the dots on their own. It becomes their own way of expressing themselves. It becomes a, a way for them to connect dots. My pastor always says, if I can tuck you into it, somebody else can tuck you out of it. But if the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, it becomes your truth. It becomes part of you. That's very wise. Yes. <laughs> Asking questions matters. So what's number two, Dr. Lydia? Number two is effective communication. So we don't want to always be that wall that's asking questions, right? We want to also participate. So we want to know how to how to really appropriately express ourselves in there. How do you appropriately self-disclose or how do you appropriately try to relate with other people if you are on the listening end? So how do you how do you jump in and have effective communication? So you want to be able to clearly and respectfully and assertively give your truth back to them. And it's after, I want to say that it is after a lot of active listening. So it's about timing as well. You know what happens when you start to communicate with other people? Let me tell you the difference between individual therapy 
and group therapy. And this is very important because this is what you find in socialization. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is what you find when you communicate with your friends. You want someone that you can, you make friends with people who you relate to. Okay. And when you go to a therapy and you are in individual therapy, you're trying to find answers. You're trying to find not the kind of relationship of someone that you can relate to. You're trying to find help. If you are asked to go to through group therapy, the purpose of group therapy is to find relationship, relatability. Many times I'll go, I'll have a group and they're there for a common subject. Okay. I'm going to bring up like, like maybe a, an abuser's group. So it's a group of abusers, or maybe it's a group of, of victims. And the reason I use those terms is because, you know, maybe we're talking about domestic violence. And it's very interesting because you'll have people in the group. Some people don't want to speak a lot in a group. And what happens? You have to build trust. How do you build trust? You have to actively listen. It doesn't mean that because you're not talking that you're not building trust. When you are listening to people, they're depositing trust into yes. you. And when you're answering, you're giving back that confirmation of that trust. And how does that happen? Is Sometimes we, we don't give advice. Sometimes we just do the act of listening. And then when we appropriately can, we give our own personal either experience or advice. But it's, it is really about timing. That's how you establish relationships with people. You really have to listen to them and allow that trust to build. And I think that also you have to know your audience, know your audience. Mm -hmm. Jesus spoke to all kinds of people, religious leaders at the most highest level and the poorest of the poor, the lame, the lepers. And uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehoods and speak truth to your neighbors for we are members of one body and he communicated clearly and effectively he used parables and stories teaching very important lessons but he brought it down to the level of each person and he spoke truthfully and assertively when confronted you know when he had to overturn some tables he did that too Mm -hmm. He met each person exactly where they were. It takes a lot of the Holy Spirit's discernment to know when and how and what to say. But you get that after you listen, after you take your time and listen to people to see where they're at and what are their needs. And you can't determine that right off the bat. You can't just jump in in this day and age with um, so much distractions that you, you can't just jump in and throw something out there. You really have to listen, listen for themes, listen for, um, what, what it is, where it is that they're going in their, in their communication. Are they just wanting to vent and that's it? Or are they looking for an answer? Yeah. Do you need me to hear you or do you want me to advise you? (laughs) Right. And and you don't just say that with friends. I mean, how many of us call up a friend or have get a call from a friend and say, you know, two seconds into it or two minutes into it, or even two hours. What do you want from me? You want, you want advice or you want, uh, I don't know. I could see myself saying that actually, but you know, do you want advice? Yeah. Or there are times want, uh, that I need to yeah. know. Cause I know, you know what you should do. If we're close, I know, you know what you should do. So what I hear you saying is you just really need to vent and I need to be a safe place for you and hold your place. So you can do that. And I'm here to support you and pray for you and listen. 
And I won't cut you off and say, but you know, that was wrong, or, you know, you should do that, or, you know, you need to apologize. I'll, I'll withhold that statement because the whole purpose of affected, effective communication is to build stronger relationships and understand each other. And part of that is knowing that we all have a different journey and a different time where we need different truths in our lives, not different truths, because it's one truth, but there's a time that I need more compassion. And there's a time that I need you to tell me I'm wrong. Right. So yeah, the Holy Spirit has to be a part of that communication. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but like you have a really nice way, Lisa, of building great relationships, but you also have a really nice way of maintaining those relationships. Okay. So that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of um, still relation, not just relationship building, but maintaining skills, letting people know that even if you have your own family, other people have their own families. You don't have to talk every single day to know that they're, that you're still friends. Right. And that's important. And you do that through communication. Right. Which leads us to number three. And I want to say, have a late uh, hate Love-hate relationship with number three, Dr. Lydia. (laughs) You start, I'll explain. (laughs) Okay. Emotional intelligence, understanding and managing one's emotions and recognizing and responding to the emotions of others. Oh, wow. This is a loaded gun. I think maybe we'll probably have to not just do one through five, but we may even just stop here and pick up. Listen, honestly, I think we need a whole podcast on emotional intelligence. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I am a recovering emotional person. I am a deeply emotional person. I am. I probably seem strong to most, but man, I can be an emotional mess sometimes. And I have learned God is teaching me. I don't want to say learned past tense. God is teaching me to, well, let me just read Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise woman or man keeps himself under control. So I'm learning that I can be emotional, but it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be included with a lack of self-control. I can cry and weep. Jesus wept. I can express my emotional frustrations, but it shouldn't be out of control. It shouldn't be where now my emotions are controlling me instead of the Holy spirit. And Jesus demonstrated that with his interactions with all people. He showed empathy, compassion to the sick. He was there for the hungry. He fed the hungry and the outcast, and he managed his own emotions. And I think about that prayer in Gethsemane, um, in the garden of Gethsemane, before he was crucified, that blood came out of his pores, blood. And yet Jesus Mm -hmm. never sinned. Wow. He was praying hard. Yeah. So how do we grow in emotional intelligence? I think that that is a matter of maturity and time. I think that that this is something that the Holy Spirit has a big hand in this. And I think that it has to do also with obedience, okay? Obedience in, in the Holy Spirit, obedience in God, obedience in Jesus. And it grows our faith. And it also grows us as people. We can't be emotionally reactive. I mean, let me rephrase that. If we are emotionally reactive, to everything around us, then we are missing the opportunity to build good relationships. If we are emotionally reactive, oh, that's a hot potato. That is a, that is a hot potato, hot potato. I don't want to touch that hot potato. That's not the kind of person I want to be friends with. That's emotionally reactive is, is someone who does not have the maturity to control their own feelings. And if you're feeling like that, 
then that just makes me think either you have missed the boat on opportunities to grow and learn, or you are so entrenched in trauma or either early trauma in building relationships you attached the wrong way um, based on environmental things that you had were beyond your control, but there are ways to cope with that. There are ways to get past that. Or you've had like a sudden trauma and you're in the middle of dealing with that. It can either be situational or long-term or, or developmental. Right. But to me, that that's like a red flag that comes up when I see emotionally reactive people. You know, so, like I'll give you an example of a situational, okay? Normally, people who grieve may go through some kind of trauma and may not be able to control those emotions. And it takes a year, a full year for you to really, maybe even more. But I think that first year is so impactful when you're grieving and you have to really be careful with yourself if you are in the middle of grieving, because that is totally a situational, even so long situation, one year of reactivity. So you may find like emotional outbursts because there are stages of grief and we can talk about that in a whole other podcast. But that might be why a person might be, might not have that self-control that normally does, okay? And I think that that's something that if you already have relationships built and they people know that you're grieving, sometimes people will give you that mercy and grace and say, oh, they're, they just lost someone. Yeah. That's why they're acting this way. Exactly. Or, or they just lost a job. That's why they're acting this way. Or they're, they're worried because they're going to, they're going through cancer. And that's why they're acting this way. So we can extend some mercy and grace on the other end as well. But, but this is, that's different than just being thrown around in the wind by your emotions for no reason, because you just don't have the maturity. Okay. And I think part of emotional awareness, you know, we've talked about this before. I did that um, series with Kenneth Sands called relational wisdom 360. And he talks about being self-aware others aware and God aware. So and having emotional intelligence really is being aware of how you're feeling and how your emotional is feeling, how you're feeling emotionally, because it does impact our thoughts and our behavior and our relationship with others. So as Christians, we can grow in self-awareness by regularly reflecting on our emotions and bringing them before the Lord in prayer. And that can involve asking God to show you where your weaknesses are or unresolved emotional pain, and then hopefully talking to God about it, but sometimes talking to a trusted Christian counselor where, like you said, if if my emotional balance comes from a place of trauma, then I probably want to talk to some professional that might help me to open my eyes to things I can't see on my own. And I think being others aware. So if I know I'm highly reactive today, I'm going to stay away from other people that are halt, as I learned from Dr. Lydia, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I'm going to kind of, I'm off today. So if you're off today, I need to like keep a little bit of healthy boundaries and emotional regulation. It might mean I need to go and take a walk. I need to get outside and stand you know, in the sun, get some fresh air, take some deep breaths, know how to regulate your emotions. And if you want to dive deeper into that, I encourage you to go into the Bible and put, seek out the places where Jesus expressed emotions because he did express every emotion, grief, betrayal, hurt, loneliness. He experienced it all. And then we Mm -hmm. have an example of how to react to those things. 
And Jesus' way of reacting was getting alone, getting quiet, and getting with God. And if you can't get alone, like if you're having one of those days and you have to go to work and you have to be around people or you or or you're triggered and it ha- and it's Easter or Christmas and you have to be around family, then prepare for those. Prepare for those moments ahead of time. Prepare for those moments by having coping skills ready for you, by taking little breaks in between. Or you can also, before you get together with people, say, I'm having a rough time. Yeah. I'm having a rough day. You know, like preface the meeting ahead of time. Get everybody, get get everybody on the same page. But that is part of communication. Yeah. And don't be so hard on yourself. I see people all the time who just beat themselves up to a pulp. Oh, it, it breaks my heart. It really does on a personal level because we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. It's okay to have a bad day. It really is. You always refer to the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so in a Christian's lives, we learn to regulate our emotions by aligning them with God's word. And maybe you need to print that out and read that every day and ask God to help you to exhibit those things. And then at the end of the day, have a talk with him. How did I do? And how can I do better? And also learning to recognize your triggers. We talked about halt, but emotional distress. If you're going into a situation where you're expecting the worst, well, then I encourage you to pray and journal, seek counseling and respond in a way that aligns with your values. So what if you wrote that verse on a piece of paper from Galatians and read it every morning on your mirror, and then write three values that you want to hold true to in your life, you know, kindness, empathy, and love. Those are my values this week. I want to reflect faith to others. Recite the Bible verse, invite God into the situation, remember your values. And when you feel like your values might be, you might be pushed to a point emotionally where you're not going to reflect your values, remove yourself temporarily from that situation. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the next one is very important because you can use this one kind of as a coping skill and it's forgiveness. Oh boy. Let go. Yeah, I know. Here's a big one. You ready? Yeah. And I think letting go of anger, resentment, bitterness toward others is, oh, that is a, that is a tall order. That is a tall glass of water, isn't yeah. it? But it sure is worth it. Oh it's yeah. Sure, I, I read something the other day and it said, hurt people hurt people, healed people, heal people. And so what if you start from a place knowing that we have freedom to forgive and it's for your own good, it's for your own good, because mm-hmm. let me tell you something. when you move from being an accuser, even if rightfully so to a intercessor, where now you are in- interceding for that person, praying for that person, no longer that God will get them hold them accountable, punish them, convict them. But you're praying, Lord, teach them, lead them, reveal yourself to them. That is freedom and healing. And it's a process Mm -hmm. as we all know, because I can forgive somebody today and see them tomorrow and think, I remember everything you did and everything you said, and I want to keep (laughs) account of it. But yeah. So what what did Jesus say about that process? Well, he gave a great example. He modeled Mm -hmm. forgiveness in our lives, in his life. And He gave a great example by modeling forgiveness in his life and in his teaching. And he read, he taught in Colossians 3.13, bear with one another 
and forgive with one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you're struggling to forgive, remember that God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you and we're called to be vessels. So as we receive, we also extend. And I love what Lisa Turkist has to say about this. She writes down on a piece of paper, everything she needs to forgive. She goes down one by one, talks to God about it. When she gets to one, she cannot forgive. She says, I cannot forgive you, but through the blood of Christ, you are forgiven. And so out of obedience, I choose to forgive you, even if my emotions don't align. Wow. What an mm-hmm. example to all of us, because Jesus forgave the woman caught in adultery in John eight. He prayed for his persecutors in Luke twenty three thirty four, And he also taught his disciples to forgive 77 times mm-hmm. in Matthew 18. So Jesus not only forgave us, he modeled forgiveness, and then he mm-hmm. enables and empowers us to forgive others. So if you're struggling with forgiveness, I challenge you. Write it on your calendar every day. Talk to Jesus about forgiveness. Lord, help me forgive. Soften my heart. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, talk to God about it because friend, you can experience freedom and joy. And while you're carrying around that burden, you cannot receive what God has for you. I think that a really good way to forgive other people is using number five, which is empathy. I think sometimes When we're thinking about forgiveness, we're looking at it from our point of view as from being hurt. But sometimes if we are able to step in other people's shoes and see where they're coming from, then we use understanding, which is also one of the fruits of the spirit. And it leads to empathy. Because if you understand where a person's coming from, then you go, oh, okay, well, I can see why. And you connect their dots. Oh, I can see why they said this. And in that context, in that place. I wouldn't do it that way, but I could see why they came across that way. And then it's almost a little bit easier to to chew on, you know, and forgive. Empathy is very important. Yeah. Jesus teaches us as well. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And I want to celebrate my friends when they have a victory. I want to applaud them. I want to lift them up. But do I equally want to mourn with those who mourn? Can you sit with somebody in a hospital room or during a divorce, or at a funeral. Jesus teaches us to walk with those that he places in our lives, regardless of the season, to be there, to experience it. And he demonstrated that throughout his own life. He wept with Mary and Martha when Lazarus died, and he knew he was going to come back to life. But he understood their pain in that moment. Mm -hmm. And he also had compassion on the crowds who followed him. He healed the sick, and he fed the hungry. And I think about the the lame man that the friends brought to Jesus. And when they couldn't get inside the room, they broke a hole on the roof and they let him down in front of Jesus. Like they understood what their friend felt, because I don't know if I would have, you know, broke a hole in the roof and lowered him down. If I couldn't get in, I probably would have said, let's wait till he leaves and see if we can catch him. Let's come back tomorrow. But those friends felt the pain of the paralyzed man. And they decided today's your day. We're going to get you in front of Jesus. Right. This is one thing I keep hearing you say. And as we're talking about empathy, friends and the friends and the friends. Okay. In order for you to really care about someone, you got to make them your friend. Yeah. And, you know, when my kids were really little, they were so cute. They would go to the park and I made a new friend. 
And even if it was a park that we would never go to again, they didn't realize that's a pretty loaded comment. Yeah. I made a new friend. What they're really saying is I made a new connection. I really liked this person. They really liked me. We played, we had fun. You know, we, I don't remember their name, but we made, I made a new friend or they would tell me that this is my best friend and they just met, you know, and it, that was really so innocent, so cute. But as you get older, you build friendships by listening to each other, by uh, being there for each other, by doing meaningful things for each other. As you build those friendships, when people mourn, it's easier to mourn with someone when you've already connected with them. It's hard to mourn yeah. with someone you don't even know. Yeah, It's hard to mourn with someone if you don't have that relationship built. So it's important that we start with active listening that we use effective communication, that we control our emotions, okay? And that we use forgiveness when we're hurt and use empathy when appropriate. Yeah, seeking to understand others' perspectives and experiences and then responding in a way that shows care, compassion, and concern. That's a great way to sum it up. Just seek to understand how other people feel and what they're going through. And then how can you respond in a way that shows I'm here for you? I care about you. And how can I show you kindness and compassion? A lot of the fruits of the spirit just sprinkled around yes. all over the place, right? And then that all has to be wrapped up in number six. Yeah. And we'll start off on that one in part two. How's that, Lisa? All right, friends, you heard it here. You're going to have to come back to hear number sixes and seven and our closing, but we hope that you'll take some time to listen again and make your own list of things, of areas that you want to grow in, that you want to see the Lord magnified in, in your life, God glorified through your relationships, through your example, through how you're modeling these skills that we can all grow and that Jesus possessed every single one. So as we are in Christ, we're a new creation. We're now robed and dressed in his righteousness, which means we have access to all of his tools. We have access to his toolbox. And in that we should all be seeking to grow emotionally and spiritually daily. Right. And I'm so thankful for you bringing the therapeutic aspect of it and teaching us how not only what what we need to do, but what it looks like in our lives, Dr. Lydia. Oh, thank you, Lisa. And I, I'm grateful that we have a place that we can we can talk about the both of these things at the same time. We can talk about the therapeutic side and the biblical side. I find that so refreshing because I feel like the Bible is just loaded with so many tools, yes. so many things that I hear a lot of people say, oh, it's not even relevant anymore. That was 2000 years ago. How is it relevant to me? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it is loaded with so many tools and so many stories and so many things that we are still affected by. So uh, I, I love that we're able to marry these two in such a way that I hope that people who are listening out there are really able to build healthy relationships, are really able to, to look at Christ as a a way to help them get closer to other people as much as to Christ himself. Yeah. And I think drawing from biblical teachings about the nature of humanity, the importance of love and compassion and the value of self-control and emotional regulation is the most important thing because we're not building on people's opinions. We're building on the word of God. And the Bible teaches us that it's not about human effort or willpower. 
but it is about re- being rooted in a relationship with God first. So as we seek to grow in our understanding and manage our emotions, we can turn to God in prayer and trust his wisdom and guidance to lead us to greater relationships and deeper relationships, not only with God, but with others and with ourselves, because we can use these tools on ourselves and these skills on ourselves. So I appreciate your time so much. And I look forward. I can't wait for next week when we're back and we can finish off some of these skills. Then friends, we hope that you've enjoyed today. We hope that you will send to a friend that maybe you want to grow with and challenge them to grow some of these skills. Would you share this podcast with a friend? And if you don't follow us, faith with friends underscore podcast on Instagram. And I'm going to put all of Dr. Lydia's information in the notes. If you or somebody, you know, is struggling and really needs Christian based counseling and help in areas that, that you're not able to overcome on your own, then I encourage you to give her a call. Please. If you're in Florida, you can call me at 786-565-6916. And if we can't give you services here in Florida, I can certainly help you find resources wherever you are. Thank you so much, friends. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?